Hello and welcome to this episode of the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. It's your host, Matthew, with you here. And on this episode, it's a return to one of my favourite games, Rangers of Shadow Deep. Uh, I hooked up with Robert recently. God, that sounds a bit seedy, doesn't it? We got together. That sounds equally seedy. Um, we were... I don't know. We're together in a <laughs> together in a room. Um, okay, I'll leave it at that. Uh, playing Rangers of Shadow Deep, the third encounter. Uh, it was the bridge guards. So we were on. To, I get mixed up with the scenarios and the missions. Mission two, scenario one. I think it was the bridge guards. So we took our uh, party of intrepid adventurers into this big sort of rock-strewn field and there was a, a river and a bridge to cross and, and those. But we'll go into that. Um, basically recorded a, a preamble. Uh, we had a quick chat after turn five, which was kind of halfway, and then we discussed uh, what happened at the end of the game. So you'll find out all about it uh, during that recording. Just wanted to uh, give you a heads up to that um, my voice was still a bit ropey. If you listened to the last episode, you'll know that uh, I'd lost my voice a wee bit. So I'm a bit hoarse um, during the, the course of that recording. But hopefully it doesn't affect your enjoyment of it too much. Before we dive into that, I just want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of this episode, Midland Miniatures, one of my favourite miniature companies out there. So I really like going onto the Midland uh, website when I'm kind of looking for some characters or story for miniature agnostic games like Rangers of Shadow Deep. I'm also going to touch on a, a Frostgrave supplement later on in the programme, Perilous Dark and the, the whole world building aspect of that. So it's great to go on Midland's site and just look at the sort of characters, good and bad, that you that you might be able to pick up. Um, one of the things I'm going to talk about in relation to Perilous Dark is the sort of dungeon crawling aspect. Um, and I actually got a few miniatures from Midland last year. I've been basically populating this this dungeon that I've been creating with a view to getting it on the table at some point in the future. So they had a great range of, I think they're called Kraken cultists. So pretty Lovecraftian guys. They've got um, robes, they've got big tentacles as faces. Must be quite an interesting dinner party with these guys. You know, tentacles everywhere. But they're really good miniatures. Um, a few of them sort of hunched over with blades. And there's one guy who's sitting on his throne, you know, big big old concrete toilet, I reckon. So I've I've got them with a view to, to sort of putting them in this dungeon um, whenever I'm taking a, a party of heroes down there. I also got a couple of great ones that I've based in this way too. A sort of Grim Reaper guy, really good miniature, and a lady, like a ghost lady, she's carrying her head. She's lost her head quite literally. So yeah, I just really love that world building aspect of miniature agnostic games. You know, some of the some of the big famous games out there, you get your lore pre-written for you, you're buying a character, you know that character's history and background, and that's great, and it totally has its place. You know, a lot of us love that sort of stuff. But just this, you know, you're buying a character, it, it literally is just a miniature, and you get to make up, you know, what the background is, what they're doing, what their motivations are. So great fun to do that. Great fun to build war bands and parties and, and like I say, populate dungeons as well. So whether you're in the market for uh, gnomes or halflings or all sorts of beasts and baddies, head on over to bedroombattlefields.com forward slash midlum. That's M-I-D-L-A-M. 
Right, are we ready to head off back into the shadow deep and uh, meet some gnolls? I think we are, so let's hand things over to a previous and slightly hoarse version of me and my good pal Robert. Alright, good to be back on the podcast, Robert. Yeah, it's great, can't wait to get back on the field. Uh, so, it was it was March last time we played a game of Rangers, a shadow deep, um, and... It went all right. It was uh, our second game of the campaign, so we're going on to the third scenario here. Um, it's called the Bridge Guards. Yeah, we've left the spiders behind, and time for a, a new threat to face. Yeah, on this uh, on this mission, we've basically got uh, to cross this. It's meant to be a boulder field. You, you'll see I've used um, wooden blocks painted grey. So we've got to cross this like boulder field. There's a river up the other end. And there's a bunch of baddies, a bunch of gnolls uh, who are guarding the well, the place we need to be, basically. So we've got to, we've got the element of surprise here, because until we are seen, we can um, attack them. We get a wee bonus, I think. Uh, we'll go through the, we'll go through the setup just now. Okay. So this game is played on a two and a half foot by two and a half foot table, the Enthel River should run parallel to one table edge, about six inches in from that edge. A small stone bridge should span the centre of the river. A narrow ford should be marked three inches from one table end. The rest of the table should be very crowded, with large rocks and occasional small trees and shrubs. Line of sight should be very restricted across the whole table. Near the bridge, on the small side of the table, as divided by the river, set up a small camp with a fire, bedrolls, etc., Place one treasure token and one clue marker in or near the camp. Place two knoll fighters in the camp. Knoll's house party. Place one knoll sergeant and two more knoll fighters on the bridge. Place four knoll archers adjacent to the river on the larger side of the table. There should be about eight inches between each archer. Finally... Place all the rangers and companions within three inches of the table edge furthest away from the river. And so, the scene is set. Thank you very much. Yes, uh, as you'll see up here, we've got the... I'm, I'm saying as you'll see in an audio format. I'm saying this to Robert, but the listener, I'm sure, theatre of the mind and all that. We've got Noel's house party, the wee, the wee camp up there. So that's their treasure token. It's like a wee sort of Christmas present looking yeah. thing. Our clue marker is a old Battlemaster's dice, classic Milton Bradley, early 90s uh, boxed set, Battlemasters. Uh, good to see that back on the table. Uh, I've made this, well, I've made this slightly harder for us in some sense because, see this big fellow here? He's like a sort of... Um, god. Yeah, he's like a sort of god. I've put him down as a Knoll Lord. So um, I've proxied an ogre, an ogre's stats for this guy. Uh, and the reason I've put him on the table to make it harder is because I've actually given us an extra guy as well. So this is Goatsy. This is Goatsy, little beastman from Midland Miniatures. He's got hooves, he's got horns, he's got a big old axe and a cape and a bear chest because he's nails. Goatsy bringing um, up the rear there. Goatsy is bringing up the rear. Uh, so because we've got a bit of a helping hand here, I decided to give the, the baddies one as well. There is a chance that we will get an extra helping hand on top of that because one of the event cards 
I say untangling myself from the table leg there. Please be Vinny uh, the Vulture. Well, Vinny the Vulture's already. Oh, he's here. He's I thought you'd benched him. No, no. Vinny's, um, Vinny's there. Vinny's there. So there's there's two things that could happen with the event cards here. Um, a, a baddie vulture, he could arrive. You'll see them up <laughs> in the windowsill there. So we've got another vulture, you know, Vinny's nemesis. What would his name be? Vinny's uh, nemesis. Well, if you like wrestling, you've got Vincent McMahon... And then you'd you'd have to he'd have to be Eric Bischoff or right. some Bischoff Eric Bischoff right, Eric Bischoff <laughs> I, I I don't get it because I'm not a wrestling fan I haven't WCW, seen it since. he was the head of the WCW the big the the wrestling wars in the nineties right okay well I should I should maybe know that because I was into it back then yeah but um, potential for two extra Noel fighters uh, so we'll go Noel Edmonds and Noel Gallagher. Waiting in the wings. No, that's great. I can't top that. And we have a potential ally in the form of a man at arms. I was thinking, what what is the most puerile name we could give him without it just being outwardly vulgar or offensive? What is he? Just a, is he human? I'll show you him. He is a. Because I like I like to have established who this guy is before, if and when he comes on. So he's um, little white bearded. He's got a chainmail jacket. Looks an experienced fighter. He's got a big old axe. I really want a bit of time to think about this. What about hard dick? Because okay, he's he's hard. You know, he's solid, and he's either called Richard or he's just a dick. And he's a tough talker. Apparently, that was an expression in America in the the sixties. It's uh, I think you should you should get some hard dick, as in a stern talking to. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean that'd be that'd be interesting to to bring that back about these days, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe maybe he can chastise his enemies before he brings his big chopper down on them. So um, waiting on the wings in the event deck are uh, who, who's the vulture? Eric Eric, Eric Biscoff. Uh, Eric Bristol. I haven't decided on his surname. Like Eric Bischoff was the head of WCW. So you've got Vinny, uh, you know, Vincent McMahon there. So Eric. Bush off. I, I somehow thought maybe a bush would have a bird in it because a bird in the <laughs> hand is worth two in the bush. Yeah. This is getting out of hand. Uh, let's have a think about his name. Right, okay, we've got two Noel fighters. We've got um, Noel Edmonds and Noel Gallagher waiting to come on. They're just a pair of Nightmare Miniatures beastmen. Um, and then we've got Hard Dick, who is he's just a... Honest soldier who I, I'd imagine is maybe caught up in some shenanigans here and just looking to probably lend a hand and get himself out of this pickle. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how all the new dynamics, a few new faces here. Season three is really picking up. I think um, one thing we've been guilty of in previous encounters, we've not really paid attention to our heroic abilities and spells. So I think you've got your ranger sheet there as well. Yeah, like magic um, shot and stuff like that. Yeah, so I've got deadly shot, I've got evade, I've got frenzied attack, transpose. I know. Now this is. Um, I wish I could credit who it was that um, had pointed me in the direction of this because it, it looks really useful. So I was moaning on a previous episode about Vinny the Vulture just being useless, and I couldn't really see what his point was. But transpose, um, is it on the? Yeah, I'm just spells? looking at it. Yeah, so. Basically, my ranger could... It says immediately switch the places of any two rangers or companions on the table. 
either both of these figures may be in combat. Either or both, sorry. Um, so you can get Vinny to fly way up at the top of that building exactly. and then chuck your ranger up there. Yeah, and then he can't get down. <laughs> but, yeah. but uh, you know, because uh, because Vinny's so dynamic and he can get around, he just can't really do anything once he gets there. But, um, yeah, it'd be a way to, to get into some interesting positions, maybe draw these um, knolls away from us so we could... Uh, sneak in and take what we need to take you'll see the bridge there we've also got I think they call it a ford so that's a crossable area as well right. I, don't, I don't really know if um, we'd want to cross there but we're going to have to get there anyway I suppose so so before the scenario begins the players should select one figure to make a navigation roll if successful they may move any three heroes up to six inches in any direction at the start of each turn, the players should select one hero on the table to make a stealth roll. If successful, the players may move one null figure up to six inches in any direction. And this lasts until the alarm is raised. So we're rolling for stealth, not only for ourselves, but to manipulate which way the baddies go. And hopefully we can do that in such a way that cultivates a surprise attack. Yeah, so on. Yeah, yeah, I think it's until they until one of them takes damage within line of sight of us, they don't know we're here. So we've yeah. got a... But anyway, I'll let you continue. Uh, the Rangers have the element of surprise in this scenario. Whenever they make an attack of any kind against a null, they receive a plus four bonus to their roll. This lasts until the alarm is raised. If a null ever activates with a hero in line of sight or a knoll takes damage within the line of sight of another knoll, the alarm is raised. So that's interesting. If we can somehow lure one guy and kill him before it gets to effectively his turn, then we've, we've kept it quiet. Um, however, if he dies in line of sight of one of his pals, then his pal is going to be like, you know, why did Fred just fall over? So that's that's interesting. The players no longer get to make stealth checks or receive the attack bonus. I was going to ask about the river, but here it is. The Enthol River is wide, deep, fast-flowing and shockingly cold. I had a teacher like that at school. Any figure that moves into the river ends its activation immediately. This includes anyone crossing the ford. Figures in the river make swimming rolls at minus three, except figures at the ford who do not have to make swimming rolls. So it basically takes you two turns to get across the ford because you have to stop. Like It's like a stop sign. Mm -hmm. You have to come to a complete stop, have a wee look, and then you can move. Any hero that moves into contact with the clue marker ends its current action and should roll on the clue marker table below. There is no target point in this scenario, but note that gnolls will never randomly move into the river. This scenario lasts a maximum of ten turns. During the event phase of each odd-numbered turn, so turns 1, 3, 5, 7 and 9, the players should draw one event card. Lovely stuff. Yeah, so there'll be five events happen throughout the course of the game. Five event cards from six. There's a deck of six sitting there. So one of those cards won't be used. Hopefully that's not hard Dick's card, because uh, I want to see him on the table. Um, are you happy enough, just before we get going then, are you happy enough with the deployment? Because we're, we're lined up, here's your three, there's Goatsy in the middle, we'll, we'll share him, and uh, there's my three. Do you think that's, do you think it makes any difference, is what I'm trying to ask here? 
Like where we position ourselves at the starting. Well, I guess you could. We could all huddle up, and then try to take out one or two. You know, because if you miss, but it's still our turn, then I could back you up and make sure the guy dies before the alarm is raised. But that's a little bit, I don't know, power gaming type things. I think we should enter into the spirit of it properly and, and do it as you've displayed it out sort of thing. So we're spreading out because we've got Goatsy in the, in the party. Yes, that's it. Uh, he's got some cheek, I have to say. But, <laughs> I knew um... that was coming. <laughs> Right, okay, um, going to get cracking then and we'll catch up uh, midway through the game, find out how we're getting on. Yeah. Right, end of turn five. Um, it feels more than halfway here, given the amount of people that are dead, both on our side and on their side. It's definitely the end game now. Yeah, we've whittled down the, the wheat from the chaff, uh, although that's maybe speaking a little harshly about some of our former companions who are out the game at the moment. Um, yeah, we. it was interesting as we moved our way up and we kind of gave away the the element of surprise after a wee while. But we yeah, I stupidly moved into line of sight very early, so we lost that advantage pretty early on. But we, we had a turn to at least use our surprise and get a couple of plus fours. Um, oh, they're wearing those now. Yeah, and I think this has been tougher. Maybe the rolls have just gone against us a couple more times than we're used to. Yeah, aye, there's been a... Um, well, very early on, we had the Vulture arrive on the scene, but my Ranger, after a couple of half-arsed attempts, was able to put enough arrows into him to bring him down. Yeah. Um, we had Noel Edmonds join us in the middle of the table. He was subsequently killed uh, by Goatsy, who had a valiant debut. He killed a couple of Noles, but was just killed there by the Noel Sergeant. So when we say killed, like these guys will have to make their rolls at the end and find out if they literally are dead or if they're just maybe picking their teeth off the ground. Yeah, so, he's sitting in the ambulance waiting to be seen and we'll see what happens when he makes his roll. And it, Fungus is having a hard time. He went in the into water. The, went into the river, failed his roll. He only had to roll eight or more, but nah, he stuffed it. So he's currently semi-drowning. He took a couple of damage from that. Um, your ranger swapped places with Vinny, so he's way up here in the corner, away from all the danger. Yeah, Vinny, so he, he flew up to the, the Knolls camp, and the Knolls had randomly, or not randomly, because they were teased away from the camp. Um, so Vinny went up there, found the clue, we got the book, of, we rolled a 20, we got the book of poems. I think that's going to be worth 15 points to us at the end. Yeah. Um, so like Robert says he's now swapped places with uh, my ranger who will get the treasure and then will leave the table and uh, get us the, the remaining points but yeah we've lost um, two yeah we've lost Boris and Goatsy they were both uh, put on their arse by the baddies um, only one goblin archer left on the table no no fighters at all we've wiped through them wiped through the rest of the archers so it's that big demon that the no lord, if you like, and the no sergeant. They're pretty hard cases, if you like. So um be good to try and bring one of them down. I dare say if we could get if we could team up on them. Yeah. But uh, mind you, we're lacking a team <laughs> uh, to do the teaming up, but we've still got a couple. The problem is I've got Count Gunter at the front and he's gone down to half health. He's on six now. And there's a heavy rain, which means twelve inches is the maximum visibility. 
and minus two to shooting rolls. So this is going to be a bit more precarious. We might want to do some kiting or something, you know, shooting and running away. Uh, or maybe get the companions to dive in to give us a couple of pluses to see if we can bring them down that way. It's going, yeah. to, going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, either way, we've, we've, I think the mission will be a success. It's just it depends. It remains to be seen what's going to happen to those uh, companions that have been uh, put out of action and then also whether we could take down any more of these baddies along the way. So let's yeah. get back to it. Well, that was a that was a cinematic finish, wasn't it? It absolutely was. You were right on the edge of the boundary. We hadn't had anybody leave yet because they all died. There was, you know, there was two against one there with a huge overlord and a uh, a knoll. And we stood tall, we lost a couple of people. You rolled a 20, the last archer rolled a 1. It was game over, and with your second activation, you left the board and it's a clean sweep. Yeah, it was one of the walking away, not looking at an explosion scenes, wasn't it? Yeah, so like Robert's saying, I I might as well have taken the shot before leaving the table. I rolled a 20, he rolled a 1. He was lying there with, I, I don't even know where the arrow would penetrate, somewhere I wouldn't like to... Like to speculate, but that is comfortably the bloodiest game we've had so far. Looking at the table there, there literally is two people left standing. We didn't even make it to turn ten. So your ranger and Count Gunther are just standing there, pretty much covered head to toe in gore, aren't they? Some of it's their very own gore, which they would probably prefer to be on the inside. Uh, Count Gunther was down to six health, which we mentioned before. My very own ranger, Mr. Grub, down to eleven health from eighteen. And, uh, you know, as they say in the Oscars, let's take a, a look back at who we've lost over the past wee while. There's uh, Fungus currently... Um, he didn't die in the water, though, did he? He, got, he, he nearly... No, he, he killed somebody too, didn't he? He killed the sergeant. He did. Um, Although he died in, in Dunes. That's right. Other cinematic moment. The two of them, they came together. They both rolled 20 overall with their bonuses added on. And it doesn't just neutralise each other. As we remembered from last time, they both do the same damage at the same time. So it's like nuclear strikes on each other. And they both went down in a ball of flames. I think that might have been Gus's first ever kill. I thought he was going to die in the water, but he got out of the water eventually and then he went and did that, didn't he? Yeah, very much. He's the cavalier of the Dungeons and Dragons group, the one that doesn't do any fighting and just makes sarcastic comments and is basically scared but there he he, you know he pulled out the bag and he was like there comes a time when a man has to stand up and then he did and then he fell down again so yeah we we could uh, we did what we needed to do we could all just left the table earlier but we decided to just stay and get weighted in didn't we try and kill as many folk as possible get as many points as possible but we're also going to have to do some roles now to see what's actually happened to all the people that we've lost well, you know, ships can stay safe by staying in the harbour, but that's not what ships are built for. Let's take a wee look at the um, at the book to see what we've got to roll for now. Um, I'm just looking through my notes of the game too. So, yeah, it was um, your your ranger, Grub. He killed an archer, uh, two archers actually, and a couple of gnolls. Um, Boris killed an archer. Vinny found a book of poems. Um, my ranger, he only made one kill. He killed a knoll. Goatsey killed a couple of gnolls before valiantly being killed himself. 
And uh, yeah, that heroic moment with Fungus as well. In fact, my ranger, he did make that second kill. I tell a lie, he made that second kill uh, just before the end of the game. And you know, even employing tactics, hit and run, hide and so on, ganging up on people, that was not as easy as it might have been. How many companions did we lose? One, two... Almost all of them. Just Gunther that was remaining. Yeah. Um, and my, my ranger did survive just like he finished on two health and just made it off the table. So there got to a point where that extra knoll arrived and um, I was thinking to myself, like, if if your guys ended up losing the fight to the big guy, there was actually a slight risk that we weren't going to get anyone off the table because... Yeah. The, the archer had a shot at my ranger as well, so there was a slight risk we weren't going to get anyone off the table, which was worth 15 points to us. Uh, 15 for the Book of Poems, 3 for each Knoll or Vulture killed. So we picked up 69 experience points. We already had one experience point going into this, so we've got 70. Um, so we don't level up, but it means that the next uh, scenario that we play, we almost definitely will level up. Because yeah. you need to get 100 points to level up. Um, oh, the ogres were 5 XP. Does that make it 71? Yeah, 71. Before we check the fate of uh, Goatsy, Fungus, Boris and Vinny, um, I first need to roll on the treasure table because we did find the treasure as well. Yeah, priority, so, is Going to do that. Ooh. 19. Magic item. Okay, the magic item table. 15. Gemstone of Heartlight. A figure carrying this gem may discard the gem during its activation to take gain, that must be a typo, to gain an extra action. This may not take a figure above three actions during its activation. Cool, he'll use that in the next, uh, in the next scenario, I guess. Uh, and now to more serious business. Right, the survival table. So here's here's how we'll do it. Um, you could have Fungus and Goatsy, yeah. Vinny and Boras. Um, and you want to go first for one years? Yeah. Who are you going to go for? Fungus. So what is it, 1 to 20 and... Okay. Yeah, so 9 plus is full recovery. So we've got 1 to 2 is dead. 3 to 4 permanent injury, 5 to 6 badly wounded, 7 to 8 close call, and 9 and ups is totally fine. Our question of the month for May 2024 is what rules have you created or adapted to improve your favourite gaming system? This might be a homebrew rule or something you've ported over from another game. The point is you tried it, it worked well and you kept on using it. Head on over to bedroombattlefields.com forward slash voicemail to submit your answer. That's bedroombattlefields.com forward slash voicemail. And now, back to the show. Six. Badly wounded. Badly wounded. The figure has suffered a grievous wound. It will heal, but it's going to take time. If the figure is a ranger, he must start the next game at minus five health. If the figure is a companion, it either starts the next game at minus five health or it may choose to sit out the rest of the mission. Right. So he's on eight now. Do they get to heal up and then go down to minus? Yeah, I think they heal from their current damage. So he, uh, he can go to five then, right? 
because his normal health is five, eh, ten. So I can put him into the game. He could on start five. him at five, or or we could just sit him out in favour of somebody else. All right, we can decide close to the time. So fungus badly wounded. Right, okay, I'm going to roll for Vinny. Let's see what happens to Vinny. Fine. He's totally fine with an 11. So you're rolling for big old Goatsy. Come on, Goatsy. <laughs> oh my days, he's dead. It's a one. It's a one. Um... What a what an afternoon he's had because he was he was he killed a few people and then he died, um, and now he's literally dead. He's like so. the Mozart of his age, you know. He was a genius, died very young after doing some wonderful things. Yeah, the Gozzi on his debut, very eventful, and he's he's dead. He's rolled a one there, and he's dead. Live fast, die young. Yeah, he'll be. Um, I wonder if he was 27 years old, he'll just be sure. on posters and teenagers' walls. I, I nearly mentioned the 27 club. Um, but yeah, he's up there with A.B. Winehouse now. Uh, last one then, Boris. Oh, and he's bother for you, eh? 19, he's absolutely fine, yeah. Um, he, he must feel bad about that. He must get that survivor's guilt because his pal, like, who... He basically got him into the shit in the first place because it was Boris that moved in to give the yeah. game away. He so. got a, a wee bonus in his pay for, you know, a referral bonus for bringing somebody in. Like with Sky, if you get somebody to join Sky. Yeah, if he you're gets Sky 500 customer. quid after a year. Yeah. But he won't get that. Well, he no, because they've got to stay in for at least six months and whatnot. He's, dead. He's, He's only dead. been in five minutes. Nah. Cool. Um... That was a really good game, like I say, very bloody, lots of death, uh, lots of things happened, we do literally have a death on our hands, we have to have a wee funeral for him now, I suppose. That's right, yeah, um, poor Goats. Maybe he could come back as a... Son of Goatsy. Yeah, I like him, when you get like a band, you know, like the Eagles, they're basically all 90, <laughs> you always find like one of their sons is playing in the band. Oh yeah, like... David Starkey, Ringo Starr's son, playing yeah, or whatever, or Julian Lennon, yeah, that sort of thing. But yeah, my name is Mario Gozzi, you killed my father, prepare to die. Yeah, there'll be a big revenge angle there, won't there? Yeah, right, well, this builds nicely. All right then, there we go, that was our latest game of Rangers of Shadow Deep, the Bridge Guards. Thoroughly enjoyed it, as I said, and uh, really looking forward to the next one already. I think the next one we're going to play is the Blood Moon supplement, the Werewolf one. I've talked about that on the the, the last episode. So I've got uh, I've got my to do list. I've got my miniatures that I need for that. A uh, couple of terrain pieces that I want to get before then. So yeah, I'll keep you posted on that. When oh, you could see pictures of this, I took quite a lot of photos on the day uh, you'll see that I've been using wooden blocks as well, I've taken Joe's advice on that so basically uh, the, the, the kids toy box um, emptied onto the table to create some uh, good obstacle terrain so head on over to bedroombattlefields.com and uh, check out all the pictures and all their glory by the way I mentioned uh, during that chat that uh, a listener had got in touch about the, the transpose I think it's a spell or a, a heroic ability, I think it's a spell, so Vinny the Vulture, he gets to swap with the, the Ranger, um, so it was thanks to Rob for that tip, 
uh, had a look back on the, the comments on the website at bedroombattlefields.com. So big thanks to Rob for pointing me in the direction of that. And it, it certainly did come in useful in that scenario. And another thanks to friend of the show, Mark, previous guest on the show, um, because in our Discord channel, bedroombattlefields.com forward slash Discord, which is really good, by the way, it's really, really coming on in there. I'm enjoying dipping in and just reading things and having a wee chat with folks of a like mind. But Mark had uh, mentioned a, a Frostgrave supplement that I hadn't heard of before called Perilous Dark. And uh, I, I made the bold claim on the last episode, I think. I was like, I don't really buy that much stuff. And I seem to have bought quite a lot of stuff in the last couple of weeks. So I, I think if you go out there and just make a claim like that, you're destined to end up with egg on your face. But I did go on to Amazon and, and I picked up a copy of this Perilous Dark book. And it is brilliant. Like I've read through it cover to cover by now and I think just a, a few days. So it's not a huge book, but there's it's packed with good content. And I would kind of describe this as like a, it's kind of 50% scenarios, 50% how-to. You know, it's Joe, Joe McCulloch's kind of explaining um, or guiding you through how you might create, because uh, a lot of this is focused, in fact, the whole thing's focused on solo and co-op play, because obviously Frostgrave, it's, it's warband versus warband. So... This is a this is more of a solo co-op, so it marries up very well with Rangers of Shadow Deep. Like when you're when you're actually reading through it, almost all of it can apply to Rangers of Shadow Deep, and I, I think that's what appealed to me so much because, you know, there's a the two games are very distinctive in their own right, but there's a lot of overlap, which is a good thing in my opinion, um, because it enables a bit of creative. Uh, you know, you could pull wee bits and pieces from one to the other. So whilst I was reading this book, I was almost, you know, thinking of it as a Rangers of Shadow Deep guide. So he's talking about how to go about um, creating these sort of solo and co-op games and, and talking through some of the pitfalls as well. And specifically, um, well, I mean, literal pitfalls, because there's a lot in there about traps and stuff like that. But specifically, um, you know, fighting enemies and the fact that an AI system on the tabletop can never ever replace uh, a human's intelligence so you know you could come up with quite uh, decent mechanics and rangers of shadow deep and uh, you know the, the the rules in this book or the guides in this book do a good job at that but he, he's kind of stressing that there needs to be more to it than just all these op opponents are moving towards you and you're fighting them off or you've just got to kill them all. Um, so kind of talking about the fact that you're fighting the you're fighting against the scenario, or you're fighting against the the tabletop, if you like. So it's all about your you know your objectives, uh, tokens that you're trying to access, and you know really cool tips like so there's some huge demon on the table which can't be killed. You know you, you, it can fight you. It uh, can engage you in combat, and you probably won't last very long. So maybe there are um, six or seven objective or clue markers on the table and you basically are, are going through them, searching them and trying to get like, I, I think it was a page of a book that you could um, banish this demon back to the, the, the plane from where it came from. So things like that, you know, it's not just uh, let's get waded in and kill all these AI opponents. We're kind of working our way through the, the, the battlefield and things are happening, whether that's an event deck like Rangers of Shadow Deep or whether you're rolling on like event tables or objective or clue tables or whatever, random monster generators. 
and it, again, it got me thinking about with Rangers of Shadow Deep, there are, uh, you know, when you look at the event decks in each scenario, they're, they're very scenario specific, but there are always like one or two cards per scenario that you could pull and make a more generic deck. So I got to thinking about, you know, if you take these two or three more generic um, events, you could build a, a decent sized deck that would apply to any scenario that you created in the future. So these are things like, um, you know, swarms, insects arriving or the weather changes or there is an earthquake or a random trap goes off. You know, one of your party suddenly gets terrified about something and has to pass a test. So if you have a deck like this and you want to create some scenarios, you only maybe need to come up with two or three scenario specific event cards and then you just chuck them in the deck with the rest of these like more generic ones. So already that gives you a lot of flavour and a lot of random events and stuff like that really keeps things interesting um, for scenarios that you want to create in the future. So if you're a Rangers of Shadow Deep player, even if you'd never played Frostgrave before, I'd thoroughly recommend getting this uh, Perilous Dark book. Um, really reasonable price and, and brilliant content. Like I say, a mixture of pre-knitting scenarios in there and uh, a lot of how-to advice and guidance as well from Joe. And there was a there was a section I talked at the start of the podcast about um, sort of creating my own like dungeon crawler. Because I've spoken on the, the podcast before, I've got Dungeon Saga, but it's it's a great toolkit as well as like a, a boxed game. Like, uh, you know, the miniatures you get with it are great and the scenarios are great, but you've got the dungeon tiles, you've got the dungeon furniture, and you can very easily use miniatures that you have or miniatures that, new miniatures that you buy to create a, a sort of themed dungeon of your choosing. And that's what I'd been doing. Mentioned at the start about the, the Midlum miniatures, uh, Kraken, Cult Range, and just a lot of other like bad looking guys as well that I've stuck in this, this dungeon. And because I've got the Adventurer's Companion supplement, I think it was, there's uh, rule sets in there for solo and co-op play as well um, and you know they're they're all right but I think I, because I prefer so much to play the the sort of Rangers of Shadow Deep style rules I'm thinking of um, you know adapting it to that instead and I went back through the box and there's a really cool deck in here called Uncharted Dungeon so I'm just having a look at it now so these cards basically tell you so they're categorised, you know, you've got the, the A deck, the B deck, the C deck and so on. I think there's about eight of them. So the idea of this is you draw your first card, it shows you the, the dungeon tiles that you need to put down, it shows you where the doors could potentially be and it marks out areas where opponents or things like traps as well could be um, and treasure and things like that as well. So this would adapt really well over to... Rangers of Shadow Deep plus the, the advice given in this Perilous Dark supplement. And like I say, they're, they're categorised, so it's all, it's almost like mini decks. So this ensures that you're never going to turn a card over and it's going to demand that you put down a bit of dungeon tile that you've already used. So it's quite clever the way that they've done that as well. It means that, you know, you could have six or seven times where you go through a door and you've got to build a new section of dungeon and you know that you're going to have the, the cards, the, the dungeon tiles, sorry, to be able to create that dungeon. 
But anyway, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. Big thanks once again to our sponsor, Midlam Miniatures. Check them out at bedroombattlefields.com forward slash Midlam. And uh, remember, if you haven't done so already, why not jump into the Discord channel and have a wee chat with like-minded hobbyists of a certain age. Uh, You'll find that at bedroombattlefields.com forward slash Discord. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll chat again on the next one. 